All right, so we are in the last stretch here in the book of Job. It's good to see everyone, by the way. Um, and we're going to be in Job chapter 42. Um, so if you have your Bibles, get your phones, we're going to turn there. Um, and I'm going to read through the text. We're going to go through the whole chapter. I'll pray over the text. We'll divide it up into a couple of sections. We'll talk about it and see how uh, it applies to our lives. And just a quick shout out to uh, my small group that I have joined uh, with Austin. Uh, it's been awesome to get to know the people here at Quicksilver. Um, and it's been cool. I love the format that you guys have of going over the text before the Sunday service. So that's something different. That's something I haven't done before, which is pretty cool. So there are a lot of things that I have uh, gleaned from just being in the small group. And uh, I'm not going to call everybody out by name from what it is that they contributed to my understanding, uh, but there was a lot. So I'm going to give credit where credit is due um, when there's something that stood out to me that I learned from the small group. So with that being said, we're going to go through 42. And just in the first six verses, I'm going to give a little preface. This is quoting Job, but then at the same time, Job is quoting God in certain verses. So it's kind of confusing. So the text, it's quoting Job, but that there is another quotation, and the quotation is Job quoting God. If, uh, and hopefully it makes sense as we read through this. So it says this in verse 1. Then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that you can do all things, and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. And then Job quotes God. Who is this that hides counsel without knowledge? And goes back to Job. Therefore, I have uttered what I did not understand, things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. Back to God. Hear, and I will speak. I'll question you, and you make it known to me. And lastly, to Job. I had heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eyes see you. Therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. Second section. After the Lord had spoken these words to Job, the Lord said to Eliphaz the Tamanite, My anger burns against you and against your two friends, for you have not spoken of me what is right, as my servant Job has. Now therefore take seven bulls and seven rams and go to my servant Job and offer up a burnt offering for yourselves. And my servant Job will pray for you, for I will accept his prayer not to deal with you according to your folly. For you have not spoken of me what is right, as my servant Job has. So Eliphaz the Tamanite and Bildad the Shuhite and Zophar the Namathite went and did what the Lord had told them, and the Lord accepted Job's prayer. Last section. And the Lord restored the fortunes of Job when he had prayed for his friends, and the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. Then came to him all his brothers and sisters and all who had known him before and ate bread with him in his house. And they showed him sympathy and comforted him for all the evil that the Lord had brought upon him. And each of them gave him a piece of money and a ring of gold. And the Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than his beginning. And he had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 yoke of oxen, 1,000 female donkeys. He had also seven sons and three daughters. And he called the name of the first daughter Jemima. And the name of the second, Keziah, and the name of the third, Karen, Hapuk. And in all the land, there were no women so beautiful as Job's daughters, and their father gave them an inheritance among their brothers. 
And after this, Job lived 140 years and saw his sons and his sons' sons for generation. And Job died an old man and full of days. Let's go ahead and pray over the text. God, thank you for this day. Um, thank you for um, the rain that's going to be coming and that has come uh, last night and this morning. Thank you from reading through Job. We know that you're the one who directs and causes the rain. Thank you for the shelter that we have and um, this building of St. Timothy's Church. Thank you that we can meet here. Thank you for each person here. Um, and thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit. I ask this morning, God, that you would, um, that you would do, continue in your supernatural work through your spirit, as we just read, to have our ears and eyes opened so that, Jesus, we would know you and love you better. In your name I pray. Amen. So in the first section, verses 1 through 6, um, there's something that stood out to me right uh, at the beginning. There's kind of this mystery, um, and Job almost kind of contradicts himself, because at the very beginning he says, uh, there's a proclamation. He says, I don't understand, and I don't know. So there's a proclamation of not having knowledge. But then you go a couple verses later, and then he says, my ears have heard, and my eyes have seen. Talking about God. So it's like, which one is a Job? Do you know God, or do you not know God? And he says, yes. <laughs> uh, and so, the not knowing God, it makes sense. If you want to use a theological term for this, it's called transcendence, meaning that an infinite God, which makes sense, and it was mentioned in a small group, uh, is beyond full human comprehension, which makes sense. God is God, and we have a three-pound brain. <laughs> so we can't fully get him. That makes sense. But at the same time, as we're looking to the advent of Christmas, uh, he says, as we can say with Job, when we look on Jesus, our ears have heard and our eyes have seen. So God is both out there and not fully comprehend, like you can't fully know him, all of that he is, but at the same time, even with Jesus, he came down and God is personal. So you can know him, you can see him. Um, so that's the mystery therein that I see right away in the beginning um, of 42. And then Job moves on to repentance. And this is Job's second response. It's the last one of the book. The previous one he had repentance in as well. But this one's a little different. So if you look at uh, verse 6, he says, Therefore, I repent in dust and ashes. But he says, I despise myself. So what does it mean to, can you like righteously despise yourself? The other translations, they say that Job despised what he said. I'm going to go for the sake of the argument, trusting the interpreters of the ESV and other translations as well, that it's not despise what I said, but despise myself. So how do we as Christians look at what Job has said and can we apply that to our lives and rightfully despise ourselves? And I would say yes and no. So I think the verse that comes to my mind to rightfully interpret this, it's found in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 7. I forget which verse. But Paul's talking about repentance. And here we see that Job is in grief. He feels sorrow. 
And Paul says that there is um, a worldly sorrow, grief, that leads to death. And then there is uh, a godly sorrow or grief that leads to life. So what that tells me is if, like Job, if you feel just bad about your sin, you have a grief, that is not necessarily wholehearted repentance. So I'll say that again. Just because you feel bad about your sin, it does not mean necessarily that that's wholehearted repentance. So uh, this, this made me think of a few stories and specifically one of my friends. Um, I mentioned him a couple weeks uh, back. Um, we were going through Job 40. And when I mentioned him, he was in a space where he said, I don't, uh, I don't believe in God. This is my friend from high school. I don't believe in God. And a couple, couple years later, um, he, he went through some hard things. He had a friend pass away. Another friend committed suicide. Um, and then through our conversations, he was like, I, I believe there's a God. And, and that was shown to him through that suffering. Um, and then uh, he went up to me and asked me a question. I didn't ask him this. I, I bring up God in conversation eventually at a certain point when I talk to someone. I feel like I can't not do that. I do it in different ways sometimes. Did you grow up going to church? What was your whatever, whatever? Sometimes it's like, hey, how's your soul? Um, but this was not the case with him. He brought it up. He was like, so he went from not God, I believe in some sort of creator being, to he said, he asked me, do you believe what the Bible says about sin and like eternity? And this was the kicker, like that Jesus died for my sin so I could be with him. And I was like, yeah, well, you're setting me right up. Yes, I believe all of that. Um, and I remember the conversation because he said, he said, man, I think I, I know that all of that is true as well. And I was like, sweet. So I was like, Did, let's, let's follow Jesus together. Because my life was changing while his wasn't, and he was seeing it. And I, and I remember, I won't forget it. He said, I, I can't right now. And I was like, well, why not? And he said, because I know that if I surrender to Jesus, then I won't be able to keep my lifestyle in the way that I'm living. So he was looking at all of his things. He's like, I know like smoking weed makes me really happy. I love having money as my top priority. Um, I don't want to be tied down to just one woman. I want to go do what I want to do. And he was like, I know if I surrender to Jesus, he will change my desires just the way that he's changed yours. So he had a sadness of his sin but it didn't lead to life yet. I pray for him almost every day. His name is Isaiah. Uh, if, you, if you want to pray with him, please pray for him as well with me. Um, so that was, and that reminds me of a story in the New Testament that Jesus talked about when he went up to the rich young ruler. And Jesus said to the rich young ruler, he said, I, he, he saw that he loved money. And he said, leave all your stuff and then come and follow me. And the rich young ruler, the text says, he went away sad. The, the rich young ruler did. So you can be sad about your sin, but it does not necessarily lead to repentance. If you're a believer, if you're in Christ, uh, don't hear me say this. That it's okay for you to have self-condemnation 
and constant shame about your sin. If you're in Christ and you have self-condemnation about your sin and constant shame, you are listening to what Fred preached about last week, the voice of Leviathan, Satan. Because Satan wants you to be feeling condemned about your sin. Satan wants you to have shame in thinking that you are at loss when you're really not. So what I'm saying about this wholehearted repentance, I think there is, I think it's good to have some sort of realization and grief about your sin. But in the context of, uh, as we'll move on to this next section, um, your, your, whole, your wholehearted repentance producing um, fruit without self-condemnation. So I don't think there was self-condemnation in Job here because he followed it up with action. So what did Job do? Job, um, as it was pointed out in my small group as well, when his friends had spoken the things that they shouldn't have spoken about God, and I think that about God is general, about Job, about God, um, God gave Job the opportunity to pray for his friends, but he didn't, he didn't have to. Job did not have to pray for his friends, um, but he did. And this was pointed out in my group. Job did that before he got um, his double portion of what he had before. So, so Job, in the midst of his suffering, displayed forgiveness and love for those who were mistreating him. So, to me, it looks like wholehearted repentance with a godly grief that, that there is no self-condemnation in, it's followed up with what I'm seeing here by genuine love for those that mistreat you. So, and that's straight up Jesus, loving your enemies. And what he does here, praying for those who curse you, blessing those who persecute you. Um, and I don't know about you, but loving your enemies. Like Jesus being nailed to the cross and saying, Father, forgive him. I, <laughs> I can't even like not get upset when somebody cuts me off on the road. <laughs> and I'm supposed to love my enemy. I don't even love other Christians well, as well as I want to. My enemy uh, so, but to me, that's what I see in the text, that wholehearted repentance for Job was followed up by a love of those who mistreat you. And I don't think that he can do this um, because the last section, um, it talks about Job's fortunes being restored. And I want to be careful here because I don't think Job is doing this because he thinks that he will get all of his stuff back. I really don't think that. He's probably been at this point of depletion for, I don't know, days, weeks, months, years, who knows? We don't know. Um, so I don't think his hope is I'm going to get my health back. I'm going to get my wealth back. And uh, that's what my hope is in. No, I think his hope is, if you go back a couple chapters, it says my hope is in God. And I think it's important because I've had some people in my life who've been hurt by, um, false prosperity theology um, and a false gospel. And I think that's the reason why God rebukes Job's friends. Because Job, Job's friends are saying, um, you did something bad, 
therefore something bad is happening to you. And God, I mean, it's, it says, my anger burns. <laughs> so to me, I see that God's anger burns when people misrepresent him as some sort of genie. Um, and I've seen, like, like I said, people being burned in my life from that. Uh, there was like um, my friend's aunt. My friend's aunt, something was wrong with her leg. And she went to, um, it was like, like, a, like a healing um, I forget what the name of it is. Basically, you come there and she's supposed to get healed. Do I believe in people getting supernaturally healed today of someone? Yes, absolutely. Should we pray for it? Yes, absolutely, 100%. Um, but here's what I didn't like. Um, after the service, she wasn't healed. And she came up and she was like, hey, so why is my leg still messed up? It's still on all this stuff. And this is what she was told. She was told that the reason she wasn't healed is because she did not have enough faith. So the reason that you're messed up, if you have some sort of disease, guess what? It's because of you. That's, like I said, that's a false gospel. That's not true. If God so chooses for you to be in the midst of your praying and supplication and asking for you to be in some sort of suffering, if that's God's um, temporary plan for right there and then, it can be. We pray that it isn't and we ask, but we don't know. So that's what I'm saying. I think that's the reason why God rebuked Job's friends. But at the same time, I know that that's not the hope that Job had was to get all the stuff back because I don't think he was buying into, if I just go through the suffering long enough, I'll get all my stuff back. I don't think that's what he was thinking at all. So what was Job hoping in and I want this uh, to be especially relevant for us as Christians today, as uh, was mentioned just a little bit uh, up here earlier, for what is our hope that will lead us to uh, this wholehearted repentance that leads to love for those that are mistreating us. And I think that ultimate hope for the Christian, uh, like was mentioned, is heaven. Um, Fred made a great point when we were going over this Eternal life starts now. Amen. Heaven's not here yet. Amen. <laughs> like, we're not, we're not yet what we're supposed to be. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's funny. Like, when people have, you know, you're talking about the angels uh, or, like, we're going to be, like, flying around uh, in heaven. And I've heard people be like, yeah, I mean, we're going to have beer and brisket in heaven. <laughs> and all this stuff. It's, maybe we will. I don't know. Maybe we will. Um, maybe we will fly. Maybe, I don't know. But the point is, heaven is not heaven, and our hope for restoration is not ultimately the things that we get. It's not our um, the alleviation of suffering. That's a part of it. That's a, big, that's a big part of heaven. But that's not ultimately the real deal for heaven. The real deal for heaven and the reason why it will be what it will be is going to have the presence of Jesus. So I'm going to be able to hold and look at his nail-pierced hands. I'm going to be able to look in his eyes and see the one who died on my behalf. That's why heaven's going to be heaven. And that's what I'm looking forward to more than anything else. And if you look at the Old Testament, because um, we're talking about what was the hope of Job for why he was, going, was able to go through the stuff in his restoration. If you look in the Old Testament... Um, people got financially blessed. 
Um, and if you have a question of how does money relate to the life of the Christian and what does the Bible have to say about it, just wait a little bit. Fred's going to preach on money. <laughs> um, but in the Old Testament, you have like Solomon, David, Abraham. Those dudes were wealthy. Like they were doing good. <laughs> um, in the New Testament, you have some people who are doing well too, but you have like Peter, James, Paul. As far as we know, we know for sure for, for one of them, they got, they got murdered. Like they were martyrs. Um, but it's crazy what Paul says about suffering and being in the midst of suffering and how to treat others and what his hope is. So Paul says, what is this light momentary affliction? And just to recall our minds, Paul's light momentary affliction was um, being shipwrecked, going to prison, being persecuted, um, and on and on that he mentions in a list of things. He said this is light momentary affliction. Why? Compared to, and he says, the eternal weight of glory. So <laughs> if Paul can look at all of that and said, what is this nothing compared to me being with Jesus forever? Um, and with Job going through 41 chapters of depression, uh, anxiety, health being taken completely away, kids dying. Um, I know for a fact, Job's hope, just as in the New Testament saints, Job's hope was not in his double portion of money. Praise God that he got it. Uh, Job's hope, as ours ultimately should be, the portion of Jesus. So when we look at um, this wholehearted repentance, because we're, we're commanded to die to ourselves daily, um, going into what it looks like to treat the people around us, especially these friends that are mistreating. You know, you feel like that sometimes. Man, my friends are mistreating me. Well, go pray for them. That's what this text says. Go pray for them. Um, and the hope that we will have for restoration. Um, that's, that's, what I see, that's what I see in this text. And uh, a, a great point was pointed out just at the very uh, end of 42 was for, uh, for the daughters to be mentioned. That's pretty cool uh, for that culture, for this, uh, for this book, probably, again, one of the first ones written before the law of Moses. Um, yeah, and that's why, another reason why I think this ultimately points to heaven. Um, the verse that you mentioned, it says that the whole creation, it groans or waits. It's anticipating. And the rest of that verse, it says, for the sons... And I would add the daughters, sons and daughters of God to be revealed. So um, I think this text is pointing towards eternity and it's mentioning the daughters. I think it's to me, I think of the priesthood of the believers in heaven um, and the fact that, um, yeah, our, our hope isn't in this temporary affliction or life. And if you happen to be blessed in this time that you are waiting for heaven, praise God. Praise God. Um, but if you don't, I mean, suffering well, yeah, you, you have to have your, your, your eyes fixed on what's going to come after. Yeah, I, I just can't imagine him going through all of that and being like, I'm so looking forward to my 1,000 female donkeys. Like, <laughs> um, I know he was looking forward to, even though he didn't know about Jesus, he was looking forward to Jesus. 
So uh, I hope this encourages you. I hope this uh, challenges you um, for what it means to have wholehearted repentance in light of our future hope and restoration and that it will, as by the example of Job that we see here, it will play itself out in love for those around us, especially to those who are mistreating us. So let's pray. God, thank you for the time that um, we get today to look at your word. Thank you that you have given us the example of Job and um, what it looks like to suffer well, what it looks like to question, what it looks like to have um, a humble heart. And I thank you that you restored his fortunes. I thank you that you blessed him. Um, I pray for every person here that we would look forward to the eternal blessing that we will get, which is Jesus, you, your presence. And I hope that that will be our hope for restoration, God. And would that lead us to a life of uh, self-sacrificial love. Praise in your name. Amen.